Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecaster here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, October 20, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a lot to discuss today. The market's doing some kooky stuff. It happens to be Turnaround Tuesday and the market did finish up and did rally on Turnaround Tuesday, but in the aftermarket activity after the closing bell the market's continuing the sell-off that started in the afternoon once again for the second day in a row we're going to pick apart the market we're going to peel back the onion and we're going to decipher what all this means we're going to put the entire context around what's going on around the market and the charts we're going to put it all on the table and we're going to see where it goes We're going to end with an understanding of what the next likely scenario is for the market. What's the first thing that jumps off the page on the daily chart of the SPY today? Well, first thing is the attempt at yesterday's breakdown candle high. It's interesting. They never got all the way to the top of the breakdown candle from yesterday. However, they did make an attempt and then failed finishing not at, but near the lows of the day. We can take information away from that. That is indicative of what's likely to come leading into tomorrow. Then we have something else on the page, a horizontal line running across the screen that we discussed 339.33. It was discussed last night. We also have a convergence of moving averages that come in right at that number, right in that zone. The 50 and the 20 period moving average are converging right around 339 and change. It might seem stupid simple, it might seem too obvious, but the reality is what the market's telling us based on the activity that happened at the end of the day today, meaning the second part of the day, the afternoon leading into the close, leads us to believe the market's going to get into, trade into, maybe even through a little bit, those moving averages. That 339.33 is in play. When you're talking about a daily chart, it's a give or take. The market can spike it intraday. Sometimes they come up short. Either way, that's the number that comes out of the calculator. It's a daily chart. So from an intraday perspective, it requires a little what? A little wiggle room. Let's reiterate what we discussed also last night, which is what happens if they begin closing hourly below 339.33. We'll use 339 for argument's sake. They start closing hourly and then close the day below 339. What's taking place? A lot of downside activity is likely taking place. Why is that? Because that opens the door for probably another, let's just say 70 to maybe even up to 100 S&P handles south. What comes into play, same thing we discussed last night, this pivot low at 331.19, all the way down to this gap at 328.73. Somewhere in that neighborhood would be the next target on the table. Let's have a discussion a little bit about the news cycle. We have to, I never talk about the news cycle because I don't believe in the news cycle, but let's have the discussion of the news cycle anyway. Here's the way this is going down. We're talking stimulus. We're talking bull bear fight. Democratic-Republican fight, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, President Trump, this one, that one. There's a fight going on, and here's the deal. They lose sight, both sides lose sight of who this is really for. 
They get so intent on fighting each other and making a deal that they lose sight of what they're doing, which is trying to help the people of America, the people that got adversely impacted by this coronavirus pandemic that's going down. My gut feeling tells me there's a whole lot more people impacted than people are given this whole thing credit for. But here's the bottom line as it relates to the news cycle. So you'll hear a rumor, they're making a deal, the market goes up. They're not making a deal, the market goes down. This one's pulling out of the deal, pulling out of a meeting, the market goes down. There's a hint of a deal, 1.7 trillion, 2.2 trillion. Who knows, the numbers are in the redonkulous camp. We all know that. Nobody's ever going to pay any of this money back. We are long past the point of return. But what's happening is... The market tends to get linked together with the news cycle from time to time. Rumor sends the market in one direction, the next rumor sends it in another direction. But here's what this is. This is the government shutdown. What does that mean? Every year we go through a cycle where the government's going to shut down if they don't increase the budget. They fight about it. They're not going to do it. They're going to do it. They come to the 11th hour. They strike a deal at midnight. They shut down the government for two or three weeks. It's one rendition or another of all that stuff, but in the end, they make a deal, it's in the rearview mirror, and we move on. The same thing will go with the stimulus deal. Whether it happens after the election, whether it happens before the election, we don't know, but the reality is, is they're going to do a stimulus deal, whether it's President Trump or whether it's President Harris. Either way. But right now, the market's also doing the thing it always does to the Fed, so you have to put all this stuff in context. What does it do to the Fed? Every time the Fed's going to make an interest rate announcement, if the market gets spooked and thinks the Fed's going to say something or raise interest rates, say something they don't like, whatever it is, the market tends to go down for a few days leading into the Fed meeting. The Fed pretends that they're not being driven by the market. They give the market what it wants and life goes on and the market goes back up. That's the cycle with the Fed. It's a similar situation going on right now. Net-net, here's where we are with the SPY. On the upside, the north side, the high of this breakdown candle is 349.33. That is resistance. Call it 349, give or take. That's a resistance zone. You get above that and there's room to go higher. Can they get above that during the trading day? They can. They haven't yet. They didn't really even make a pretty good attempt today. There's always tomorrow. We'll see what happens. What about the flip side? What about if the market's trading down south? Where is support? We already know that. It's down at 339.33. There's a natural number that acts like a magnet, 340. It's a big fat round number. It's 3400 in the S&P 500 or the ES contract. Those numbers are also magnetic. So 339 to 340 is a spot. Inside the numbers members, will have more information when they show up in uniform Wednesday morning. What about inside the numbers? I would pay attention today because we had a pretty good cadence with the numbers today. Pre-market commentary, it is turnaround Tuesday. The markets have been working to get back up north all night long. No surprises. We know about turnaround Tuesday. It happens quite a bit. And today was, in fact, a turnaround Tuesday. We'll get back down to inside the numbers, stocks on the move, after the notes. Let's get to the early thoughts. Here we go again with the whole breakdown candle high deal again. 
The same deal has already occurred in the pre-market activity. They ran up to test an hourly breakdown candle high on the ES continuous contract chart, then started to trade back away. Let's get our faculties and see what we're discussing. So here's the ES contract. This is the continuous contract. It trades all night long. This is the breakdown candle that's in question. It's the 1500 candle from yesterday. The high happens to be 3452.25. So what you can see happened is the market rallied up in this candle to make a high of 3451.75 and then traded away. Now this is early this morning. This is eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock in the morning, and then the market opens and they pop them back up. It happens all the time. So what did they do in the pre-market? They ran up to test a breakdown candle high. On the first run, is it likely they're going to bust through the breakdown candle high or get rejected or at least go sideways for a while and eat some time off the clock? And that's the real answer. The answer is it's unlikely that they just waltz past the graveyard, past the breakdown candle high and keep going on the first run. So already in the early thoughts, you can see we have a beat on the spot. The spot is 34.52. Now you see where I got the spot from. There's a lot of charts out there. There's the pit session only futures chart. There's the continuous futures chart. There's the SPY chart. There's the S&P cash index, which is the SPX chart. Sometimes they're all in sync with one another. Other times you're going to get information from one that's not necessarily on another. What do I do? I look at all the charts. In order to be successful in this business, you have to look in things that nobody else looks at, knows about, cares about. You're going to find diamonds in the rough in places that people don't even know about. Now think about this for a second. If everybody knew about something, would it work? Well, if everybody used it, it probably wouldn't work anymore. So check this out. What about all these trading techniques that you find in books and other places that have been discussed for years and years and years? How come they don't work? The short answer is everything works sometimes. So when you're on the lookout for something and then you see that thing work, you believe in your mind that it works because somebody told you it works. Now you went out and sought it by yourself. You went to seek the information and you saw it work. Therefore, quote unquote, it works, but the reality is it only works a part of the time. Everything works a part of the time. The job of an analyst, my job, is what works the majority of the time? What can I find that works more than anything else? That's the challenge. I have those things moving right along. So important service announcement. Let me say this because you're going to see a half day's worth of activity. So I had to be out for about half a day. The power was being taken down by my house, at my house, on my house, around my house. It was garden variety construction. I got tons of emails about how to handle a situation like this. There's wireless backup. There's batteries. I get all that. I have all that stuff. My kids are home in school learning virtually. Guess what? They got that stuff so that they could continue to learn today and stay in school. That's what dads do. Those of you with children understand. I took the bullet and sacrificed half a day for the kids. That's what we do. Moving right along. 921 before the opening bell, is there a spot down south on an early shakeout where the buy the dip crowd would step in at least for a trade? Yes, the first spot of interest is around ES 3423 and SPY 342, give or take. 
Now, there's a method to the madness, so go with me on this. You know the routine. Right of the vertical, today's activity, here's a five-minute SPY chart. This is towards the end of the day. This is at 3.20 in the afternoon. They make a low of 3.42.67 against what I was talking about in the morning at 3.42. That was the area of interest to buy early in the morning. You can see they tested that same level early in the morning but took off again in the northern direction. That area was a gap. 342, that's the number we wanted. But look what happened at the end of the day. What happens if I switch over to an ES chart? This is essentially the same chart, but using the futures contract, here's a pit session only chart. Look what happens when we open it up to what happened after the closing bell today. They went down and did the deal. I'll move this over and you can see the low that was made after the closing bell. This is 1645. 445 in the afternoon, closing price, or I should say low, 34.18.75. What they did was they basically filled the gap in the aftermarket session. Now we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. Doesn't really count until they do it during the pit session or the regular hours, 9.30 to 4. But these are the type of shenanigans, the thieves in the night. This is the stuff they do. This is trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew. What's their job? Their job is to make as many traders and investors look like fools as much of the time as possible. What their other job or their night job is, is to keep you out of the trade. In other words, they like to do the deal after they've shaken out traders. They do it in the middle of the night. They don't want you in for the actual move that you think or know is going to take place. They want to shake you out first, leave you sitting on the sidelines. That's also their job. Moving right along. Now we go up to 9.39 and you see in between 3.42 and 3.45 is an anything goes zone. It can be considered no man's land. The market would get interesting down below or at 3.42 and it would get interesting at or above 3.45. 3.45 is resistance as you'll see a little bit later and then 3.42 we know was support. It was the gap left open from the close on Monday. And we're moving right along. A little bit of a tidbit on one of the trades, IBM. We'll get to the trades later on. 9.45, no change. 3.45 is still overhead resistance until they begin closing candles above. Traders taking a short position up there, if reached, will be saying to the bulls, we don't think you have enough mustard in the jar to get through this zone. 15-minute candles closing above 345, and it begins to look wrong, meaning the trade would begin to look wrong. 345 is overhead resistance, moving right along. And by 10.01, here you are, they're running a test of 345. Showtime for the bulls to push through or to give it up to the bears who should put up a stand. Here we are again with the five-minute chart. Again, just to get our foundation right of the vertical is today's activity, and guess what? Here's your early morning test of 345. What happened? They ran a test and they fell away. That's what was supposed to happen. Why? Here's an hourly chart. Let's get it cleaned up a little bit. If I take this line away and all you see on the chart, even this line, this is the 345. Let's take everything away. What happens to this candle? That's a breakdown candle. What's the high? 345. What did I do when I showed up in the morning? I put a line on top of that candle. Now you have a point of reference from an hourly chart that most traders from an intraday perspective don't even bother to look at. 
So now, when I'm looking at a shorter term chart, doesn't matter whether it's a 5, 10, 15, anything like that, when the market's trying to rally and they're running a test of 345, I know what they're doing. They're running a test. They're not trading up to the moon. They're not heading for 350. They're running a test of 345. Why is that? Because at the time, 345 was a destination. It was magnetic. The market was drawn up to, once it started climbing the breakdown candle, it was drawn to 345. We know that that happens way more than it doesn't happen. If it happens in the majority of the time and we use the 80-20 rule, what do we see when we see an hourly chart breakdown candle high? We say, all right, that's an important number. Now, from an intraday perspective, when we see the market trading up to that number, what are we thinking? We're thinking, at least on the first run, they're not going to just bust through. That's the way this works. It's not any more complicated than that. Moving right along. So now, as the morning goes on, we saw what happened. Market pulled away. They went back down to 344, logical target, yada, yada, yada. You can pause the video, read the notes for yourself, go back to the charts, and see what happened. See if this is a bunch of bunk or if this is actually the real deal. All day, we were focused on two things, 345 and 342, at least half a day while I was here anyway. And then, by the way, as you scroll up, you'll see as I'm leaving, right, I know that they're going to cut out the power. I give you the upside numbers. I give you the schematic. The next big resistance on the way up, if they continue, is around 346 and a quarter to 346.50. Beyond that would be 347.15, give or take. Back to the five-minute chart. There's your 346.50. They got a little above it, but what happened? When they got into the rest or the next resistance zone, they went there. They pulled back. First, they're magnetic, and then the market decides, and this works both ways. It works for support and resistance. Then the market decides what's going to happen. Are they going to hang around for a cup of coffee, eat some time off the clock, and go to another destination? Or is that destination enough? They're satisfied, and they have somewhere else to go back down south. That's how we treat the numbers. A resistance zone, a resistance number, a resistance area has two potential functions. It's either going to reject price or it's going to stop price from continuing to go in that direction or up in this case, and it's going to go sideways or go back down if it's a rejection. That's the way it works. So even if something's resistant, some people or some traders think that if the market doesn't pull back right away, then I was wrong. Well, that's not the case. Resistance stops the market from going up first then decides whether they're going to eat time off the clock or reject price. That's the way it works. And we're moving right along, and we move on into the midday area, the lunchtime area. I gave you the notes. You can read the notes. That was it for me for the day. The power did come on before the close, but I'm not coming back with the last 30 minutes of the trading day. I didn't want to get everybody's panties in a bunch. How about stocks on the move? And you know the routine. We're going to look at the good the bad, and the ugly. We had the first three that hit their price objectives, Work, SYF, and Carvana. IBM jumped the first target, but it did play games at the second target. We'll take a look at that chart. And then we didn't have a trade in VLDR. So let's take a look at some charts. First, we'll look at Carvana. 202.50 was the first number on the board. In fact, it was the only number on the board. Carvana was a one-and-done the stop out price was an hourly close below $200.50. 
Carvana gave the deal before they went down toward the end of the day. It wasn't a stop out. It was a positive trade because this candle made a high of 206.46 from an entry of 202.50. No, thy numbers. Closed over 213 Monday, so it was a pretty good buzz cut at the open. How about work? This one, we had two price targets because I can make an equal case that the market could have ran to either one and gave you the deal. $40.11 was number one, $39.65 was number two. You can see what happened. Stopped for a cup of coffee, ate some time off the clock at $40.11, decided it had another destination. We already knew the destination. What was it? $39.65. What was the low of day? Low was 39.64. I'm pretty sure these numbers were correct today. The market traded up from there. Therefore, painting by the numbers, that was a nice trade, better than a base hit. Now, maybe we shouldn't put it in the better camp, but we can certainly put it in the base hit camp. Guess what? Base hits put you in the Hall of Fame. Synchrony Financial came close in the first five-minute candle of the day. This low was 27.58 came within six cents and traded away. So really, this trade wasn't valid, but you can see it worked anyway. All I have to say is, know thy numbers. The numbers work. Sometimes they screw you over. They come up short. They don't do the deal. They come back later. I'm not in the, let's do it anyway. Let's buy it anyway. It'll probably work camp. I'm in the, I'd like it to come in how I like it to come into the number. And if it doesn't, there's a pretty high likelihood I'm not taking the trade. Why is that? Because I like to treat it as a business. I suggest you do the same. When you treat this as a business, you become profitable. You build on profits. You have a profitable trade, which turns into a profitable day, which turns into a profitable week, which turns into a profitable month, and so on. And that's how you build a business. A business based on numbers. So here's IBM. It opens below the first number, so the first number's off the table. Immediately, the second number is active. When they come into the second number, here's what happened. In this candle, the first five minutes of the day, the low registers at 118.30. They traded at 118.30. I don't know anybody that was filled at 118.30 in the first five minutes of the day. After that, they spiked through the number and anybody who wanted that trade got filled and then they did the deal on a small basis making a high of 119.17. It's kind of like doing the deal. They didn't really do enough. They traded lower. They fought back to 118. So we're going to call this one essentially a scratch. It was no harm, no foul. We take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. IBM was essentially a scratch out. We're jumping around a little bit, a little bit of a short hop. Let's take a look at work again, WRK, West Rock. I want to explain in a case like this why there were two numbers and how obvious the two numbers really are once you understand what we're doing here. So the $40.11 was basically a breakout area. It's a retest of a breakout area. That becomes obvious to those of you that have been around for a while. And when you look at this spot here, you can see that the market rallied up to this spot, was rejected. Once it broke through that spot, it now came back to run a test of the same spot. Again, the trick is, is it $40.30? Is it $39.99? Where does the $40.11 come from? I'm not telling you. But the general concept is that market came back to test the former breakout area. We get that, but there's a secondary price. What is it? There was a gap. 
39.65. It's 40 cents lower. 46 cents to be exact for those that are going to send an email about how I was wrong with the number. But you can see how I can make an equal case that the market can give you, in this case WRK, can give you the trade off of $40 or $40.11 in this case. And it can give you the same trade of $39.65. Both are valid. Split the difference. Half at one, half at another. Your average is in between. And they gave you a base hit any way you want to look at it. Trade School 101. Camp IWM. Any revelation, anything we need to know about, any trouble brewing. This is our favorite market leading indicator, whether it's on the north side or the south side, we need to know what it's doing. What's it doing today? It's doing nothing different than the SPY is doing, so therefore we move it along. On par in terms of percentage up for the day on close. We'll just move it along. RSP, equal weight S&P index. 112.50 on close up 61 cents or one half of 1% outpacing the SPY today. That's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. That means that the amount of stocks that were up outpaced the amount of stocks that were down. It was a broader based up day despite what happened in the afternoon and into the closing bell. Puzzle piece. It's on the table. What about the folks down at the transportation department? Same or similar routine. It was up a lot more earlier in the day. They made a run for the highs. However, still finished up over 1% for the day. Cannot go unnoticed. Therefore, puzzle piece on the table. The transports, the folks down at the transportation department are absolutely my second favorite market leading indicator, but they also hold the pole position in first place for the canary in the coal mine. It's a puzzle piece on the table. Can we get any information from the queues? They're going to likely follow suit with the S&P 500 or vice versa. So you have this convergence of moving averages staring price in the face underneath price. It would be very odd to come up short and not spike into the convergence of those moving averages. That's if the market's intending to go back up. Either way, they should pay a visit and run a test of those moving averages. Period. Full stop. The XLF hovering above the moving averages. Nothing we can derive from today's activity. Up half a percent. The good news is for the bulls, it wasn't down at least from a market leading indicator perspective, the financials holding up is a good sign for the bulls. Outside of that, we have no new information for the XLF. We move along. Smash mouth, flat on the day, up 15 cents is a rounding error. Again, we'll just move it along. A very important number, if I may say so, is the low from the 15th. We talked about this already. It's worth mentioning again. 184.40. If that low gives way, there's a gap underneath, there's another gap underneath, there's moving averages. The door opens to various possibilities if they get below the low on first an hourly closing basis and then they close the day below the low from the 15th. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. It's everything I wanted to and intended to discuss. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.